Hi, I'm Matt Dawson, and welcome to Ortho Science Bites. Today I'm joined by Dr. Ivan Salgo, VP of Medical, Clinical, and Scientific Affairs at Orthoclinical Diagnostics, where he leads teams focused on multiple care areas such as infectious disease, acute care, cardiology, and endocrinology. Dr. Salgo received his medical degree with distinction in research from the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City. He did his residency and fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania in cardiothoracic anesthesiology, where he later joined the faculty. Dr. Salgo's past research includes the use of healthcare analytics to assess patient deterioration using multiple digital biomarkers. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Salgo. Thanks for having me, Matt. So our topic for today's episode is diabetes and the role the laboratory testing plays in its prevention and its management. Diabetes is a disease with over 425 million people worldwide are living with. Much can be done to prevent type 2 diabetes and complications can be avoided with good management and care, including the use of laboratory tests. So I thought a good place to start the discussion is with screening for diabetes. So who should get tested and what tests are used? Diabetes is one of the main threats to global human health, and actually diagnostic testing is one of the major management tools invaluable for screening, diagnosis, and therapy monitoring for both diabetes and prediabetes. In Standards of Medical Care in Diabetes, published by the American Diabetes Association, there are specific criteria defined for testing for diabetes and for prediabetes, no matter what your age, adult, child, adolescent, even if you're not exhibiting symptoms. And the criteria for this testing uh, actually includes adults who have a high BMI or who actually have some other risk factors, for example, first-degree relatives with diabetes. Also, if you've got a history or there's history in the family of cardiometabolic disease or cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and sedentary lifestyle. I think those are important preliminary markers Uh, In addition, women who have an obstetric history of having gestational diabetes also should have lifelong monitoring for uh, hyperglycemia, uh, perhaps every three years. And patients who are diagnosed to be pre-diabetic, even if based on their A1C, uh, can be tested annually. For all other individuals, testing can begin at the age of 45. And in terms of which tests to use, studies led to the recommendation that hemoglobin A1C be used to diagnose diabetes in adults. And that's due to the life of the red blood cell in the bloodstream. And it provides actually a nice average over many weeks of how red blood cells are exposed to glucose. And recent guidance from the American Diabetes Association concluded that A1C, fasting plasma glucose, or two-hour postprandial glucose can be used to test for prediabetes or for type 2 diabetes in children and adolescents. Great. So, you know, that covers really who should get tested. So I think the next question then is what tests are recommended as part of evaluation, both maybe at initial or follow-up or annual visits with healthcare providers? Well, definitely the goal and treatment of diabetes is really to prevent and or delay complications and really to optimize quality of life. That's paramount. And laboratory evaluation plays a key role in helping to meet and manage these goals. I mentioned earlier that A1C is used to screen for diabetes, and if diagnosed, A1C can be measured uh, several times per year, four times per year at initial diagnosis, and if a patient's under good glycemic control, this can be reduced to two times per year, and if a patient is not quite under good glycemic control, that frequency can actually be elevated again, for example, at four times per year. 
Now, it's important to know, and I alluded earlier, that it's the interplay of glycosylation of red blood cells by which the mechanism works. And so A1C is not advised for certain individuals who have hemoglobinopathies, uh, sickle cell variants, uh, anemic uh, individuals, pregnant women. And there are some alternative tests, such as fructosamine, uh, glycated albumin, and glycated serum protein that can be beneficial. Tests that are beneficial in, in looking at type 1 diabetes include insulin, uh, and that's helpful for monitoring insulin use and understanding the cause for hyper and hypoglycemia. Diabetes at large actually is a disease that can either be impairment of insulin secretion, as in type 1, or impairment and or resistance to insulin, which is type 2. And so uh, both of these are important aspects. C-peptide helps with classification of diabetes in select cases, type 1 versus type 2. It also assists in the management of people with diabetes treated with insulin. Thyroid-stimulating hormone can also be measured annually to detect asymptomatic thyroid dysfunction, particularly in those with a positive TPO antibodies. And I would say that the cardiometabolic picture that I also referred to um, is rounded out by a holistic picture of organ system function. Long-standing diabetes can lead to microvascular dysfunction that can affect different organ systems, for example, the eye, feet, and, and so forth. Anyway, there are key tests which can be used to focus on heart, liver, and kidney function. Lipid profiles, which include total, LDL, HDL, cholesterol, and triglycerides. Of course, liver function tests or LFTs. Uh, renal testing is actually very important. Uh, because looking at the nephro nephrologic picture of a patient is important. And things like spot urinary albumin to creatinine ratio can give an idea of, of, um, of uh, renal function. Serum creatinine, an estimated glomerular filtration rate. Cystatin C uh, is actually escalating in visibility, uh, as well as M albumin, particularly first diagnosis, first year or so. Depending on the type of medications prescribed, there's additional tests can be indicated as well. Vitamin B12 if on metformin and also serum potassium levels in, in patients who are on ACE inhibitors, angioreceptor uh, blockers or diuretics. So once identified, what would be some of those long-term complications associated with diabetes? Well, as I mentioned, we really want to help reduce the complications through knowledge and data. Uh, and data can be used both by the physician and it can also be used by the patient to help uh, with compliance and has very strong motivation to stick with compliance in an important dietary and medical management program. Early intervention can help prevent and or reduce the complications. So a, a major factor that's appreciated uh, is cardiometabolic diseases. It's the number one cause of death in the world. It includes not only cardiovascular disease that we think about, but clinicians are really thinking about the, the multifaceted aspect of this, which is not only cardiovascular disease as we think about it, but also bringing in diabetes uh, mellitus because it can cause microvascular dysfunction as well as chronic renal failure. CMDs are mainly caused by sedentary lifestyle uh, as well as genetics, uh, and the major risk factors of sedentary lifestyle, smoking, or actually uh, a diet without moderation can all contribute. Unmanaged uh, blood sugar can really damage your arteries leading to such disease. And diabetes also tends to raise the lipid profile, uh, for example, triglycerides and LDL. And people with diabetes are one and a half times more likely to have other vascular complications, for example, stroke. 
And as, as we started talking about in this, uh, in this program, high levels of blood sugar can impair the kidney's ability to filter waste. Very important and very much a management of diabetes includes routine ophthalmic exams, dealing with any vision problems, for example, diabetic retinopathy, issues with uh, foot circulation and foot ulcers, uh, and as I mentioned, uh, microvascular disease that can also affect diabetic neuropathy. And actually, again, the, the key is really to promote lifestyle, quality of life, and to prevent complications. Great. And so we know that arthrosclerotic cardiovascular disease, ASCVD, is the leading cause of mortality and morbidity for individuals with diabetes. How can individual cardiovascular risk factors be controlled to prevent or slow cardiovascular disease in people with diabetes? Yeah, so what I would say is, especially in the era of COVID, uh, people have kind of let COVID be somewhat of a, of, a, of a threshold to go for their routine uh, physicals and checkups. And cardiovascular risk factors ideally should be assessed at least once a year. And risk factors include obesity or, or high BMI, I should say, high blood pressure, hypertension, dyslipidemia, smoking, a family history of premature coronary disease, chronic kidney disease, or, pre or presence of albuminuria. And blood pressure should be uh, measured at every routine clinical visit. And in fact, patients can even uh, measure blood pressure at home under multiple settings. That helps actually get an optimum spectrum of blood pressure. Uh, and also statins and other therapeutics can be used. They're remarkably effective at, at lowering cholesterol. So knowing all these risk factors, then what lab tests can be used to monitor for the complications associated with diabetes? Well, Matt, we talked about two major complications of diabetes, cardiovascular and chronic kidney disease. So it's important to monitor both heart and kidney function in diabetic patients. Diabetic kidney disease can be diagnosed based on the presence of albuminuria or reduced estimated glomerular filtration rates. Screening for albuminuria <laughs> can be most easily performed by urinary albumin to creatinine ratio in a random spot urine collection. And EGFR should be calculated from serum creatinine using a validated formula. We talked about hypertension as well being a key risk factor of cardiovascular disease. And treatment for hypertension with ACE inhibitors or ARBs can have negative impact on the kidney. So uh, they can cause acute kidney injury and hyperkalemia if not monitored closely. Uh, diuretics also have an effect on kidney function, both in terms of hypo or hyperkalemia, depending on the regimen used. And detection of these abnormalities is critical. So monitoring serum creatinine and potassium is very important among patients with impaired GFR. There are therapeutics that can impact the heart as well. Some of the uh, oral hypoglycemic agents or glucose-lowering agents can increase a person's risk of having uh, cardiac challenges. As many as 50% of patients with type 2 diabetes and longstanding hypertension can develop heart failure. In screening for heart failure, of which there are two types, the classic uh, systolic heart failure, which we know about, but over half of heart failure is due to a stiff heart or diastolic dysfunction that can occur with longstanding high blood pressure that many people don't realize. And these can be tested using natriuretic peptides such as NT-proBNP. Lastly, I wanted to talk about a condition called ketoacidosis. People with type 1 diabetes, that is impaired production of insulin, may be at risk for diabetic ketoacidosis when they do not have enough insulin. Fat gets broken down where there's insufficient glucose, which leads to the buildup of ketones in the blood and urine. And these, of course, can be poisonous to the metabolism uh, at high levels. 
a lab test called beta-hydroxybutyrate can be used to test for ketosis and for ketoacidosis. That was fantastic. And so really a comprehensive overview of what can be done to detect and monitor diabetes and prevent complications. So I just wanted to thank you again, Dr. Sago, for, for taking the time and sharing your expertise with us on this topic. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Great. So I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast episode about the role of lab testing in prevention and management of diabetes. Make sure to review sections within the podcast description for reading materials we've suggested. Uh, you'll also find some additional papers or studies. So based on today's podcast, I leave you with our pop quiz. Which lab test is recommended to diagnose diabetes in adults? You can go back and listen again if you'd like some more detail. So thank you so much for listening today. Uh, please subscribe to OrthoScience Bites, our monthly podcast, where we will be discussing more complex questions we face every day in our labs, brought to you by OrthoClinical Diagnostics, pioneering advances in diagnostics for 80 years because every test is a life. Take care, stay healthy, and safe.